0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Prospects of Christ. I'm your host, Addison Williams, and today I have a special guest. It's a guy that I actually met just a few weeks ago. Uh, His name is Chris May. He currently lives in Alabama, but I'm going to let him tell more of his story. Chris, thanks so much for joining us today
1: yeah absolutely, man. again, appreciate you having me on and and love what you're doing with this podcast and what it stands for and what you're trying to push forward with it. So thanks for having me on, man. I'm honored to be here.
0: Well, that's awesome. You know, Chris, whenever I first met you through ironically faith-driven entrepreneur, you were talking to me about your business and then we happened to talk about you playing college sports. and of course, that's one of my passions, uh, nonetheless, but Tell us a little bit about who you are and what led you to playing a college sport. What was your journey like? Just give us an idea of who you are, where you are now, and we can kind of backtrack from there.
1: Yeah, so I played um, I played football at the University of South Alabama down here in Mobile, Alabama. So for anybody that doesn't know where that is, it's basically... An hour from Gulf Shores um, is where I'm at. So down here, kind of close to the beaches, great area of the country, but I'm actually originally from Florence, Alabama. I'm actually from Tuscumbia, but nobody knows where that is. We've got my high school's football program and Helen Keller, birthplace of Helen Keller. That That's pretty much all we got up there. So um, basically, if you took the state of Alabama, I moved from the most northwest corner to the, the most southwest corner um, is where I'm at now. So, um, But anyways, yeah, so I, I played football, um, wrestled, and then did track in uh, high school. Um, loved all three of them, grew up, just kind of fell in love with sports at, at a young age. I had ADHD pretty bad as a kid, so sports was kind of the the avenue that I could flesh a lot of that stuff out. Um, so um, just fell in love with football, fell in love with just competing just in general, and I absolutely love competition. Like if it's tic-tac-toe, I'm I'm trying to, you know, dominate. <laughs> but anyway, so to be honest with you, I didn't really think that I had much of a future in um, in sports. Probably until my like sophomore to junior summer um, is when the idea of like, oh, okay, I could maybe actually do that th- this at the next level came up. Um, and then really from my junior to senior year is where that kind of whole recruiting process started. So. Um was recruited by some other, some, some other schools other than South, but South was my first offer. Um, oh, I, actually I take it back. They were my second offer. They were my first like division one offer. Um, and I, I remember sitting in the, um, the meeting room when they offered me a scholarship, my mom was there with me. We came down here to a camp, a buddy of mine rode with me and we kind of made a whole weekend out of it. Um, had a blast and got to ride like in the Jeep with our, our head coach um, at the time, Joey Jones. And he, pulled me aside after the camp was like hey I want you to ride with me they took a group of like five or six of us um over there to their meeting or their facilities or whatever and pulled us in one by one to kind of the meeting room and it was like like I said like five or six of us that they offered scholarships to that day and I remember sitting in the meeting room with my mom and they are like well Chris we want to offer you a full ride and I'm like well okay like what does that mean they're like I was like how much is that and they're like it's all covered I was like well, where, like, where's the paper? Where do I sign right now? And I remember my mom stopped me and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let, let's let the rest of this process go. Thank you so much for the offer. Let's think <laughs> through this. Um, but to be honest with you, from, from that moment on, I was sold. Like I was, the, the guy that recruited me, um, his name's Tommy Perry. I, I think he's, last place he was at was at Nevada. I don't know where he's at now. But man, like I actually looked back through some of my old, I still have every letter that was like written to me. Uh, which is kind of corny and cheesy, but like I kept all that recruiting stuff. Cause it was such a big deal to me, man. But, um, anyways, I, I looked back through some of those and was like, man, he, he really was one of the biggest reasons that I went to South. Um, but aside from that, like we, it was a brand new program. Had never had football before 2009 was the first ever year of the program. So, um, I was a part of one of the first like recruiting classes that they had ever had, like all my, on my visit down there that they offered me, they, uh, like took us into the field house and man there was barely any walls up like still dirt on the floors like no no locker so what I bought into was a dream of like where where is this program going to go and that's what I want to be a part of. Um so that's kind of what what led me down here. The the idea of playing at the next level never really popped up like I said really until like my junior year and then started getting a little bit of recruiting um and, and whatnot and then came down here to South really enjoyed my time down here. The, the beginning was really, really rocky. Part of that was, I I was not a believer yet. Like I definitely claimed to be, um, I knew who Jesus was, but I did not have an understanding of like him being Lord of my life. Um, he was more of like a fire insurance policy to me. So, um, that's ironic as I'm in insurance now, but, um, (laughs) anyways, I, I get down here to Mobile and, um, I took a class in high school called Algebraic Connections. And it, for, for anybody that's played college sport, you know, you have to have a certain amount of credit hours to be eligible to play at the next level. Well, Algebraic Connections is only half a credit towards Division One eligibility. Didn't know that. Uh, guidance counselor didn't know that. Coaches didn't know that. So I come down here to South. The, you know, I graduated on uh, Friday in Mobile on Sunday. Here the whole summer, go through camp. Get to the end of camp and my coach pulls me to the side and is like, Hey man, we found out you're ineligible. Like, what are you talking about? This is the first time I've ever made like, you know, above a 3.0 in the summer. I've never had good grades. And this is the first time I've ever had it. What are you talking about? He said, Well, you you gotta have like 40 credits or whatever. I had 39 and a half. Um, so I had to go back to to high school that that fall. So the fall of 2010. I was back in high school taking two classes to like get those remedial credits and then came back to Mobile in 2011 and then was here the whole rest of the time. But that, that was a wild scenario. Luckily it was caught with me because it happened, to, it was going to happen to like four or five kids in the next class. So if they wouldn't have caught it with me, they would have caught it with them and, and with, with probably more kids on um, from there, so I mean it was a good thing, but definitely not the the best way to to start a college career.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So to clarify, did you graduate in the spring of 2010, and then you went back, or did you graduate in the spring of 2009?
1: I graduated in spring of 2010, and then okay. the fall of 2010 was back at my high school. Um, so, so how did,
0: how did that you know, feel going back to high school? You already lost. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was a unique situation for sure. Honestly, I'm glad it happened because I had a lot of growing up to do that I didn't realize. I got to spend that semester back with some of my, you know, really good friends from high school. So, I mean, it was a good thing. I needed to grow up. I needed to kind of get hit in the face with some stuff. So, it was good to have that happen. But, like, I mean, it definitely was not the most fun thing in the world sitting back in a, you know, a high school classroom after graduating and whatnot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you wait 18 years to graduate, and then you have to go back and sit in the classroom after you've already walked. I can only imagine what that was like. But so, (laughs) so when it comes to when it comes to, you know, things punching the face, uh, one thing that we had talked about offline is this fact that your sport is what you do. It's not who you are. So I just want to reiterate that. That's our that's our theme today so you graduated high school and then you went back to high school (laughs) but all all that to say you said you had some growing up to do so I'd love to just kind of walk through that if you don't mind unpacking some things that kind of made you think hey what why do I need to change or what's making me kind of reevaluate what's happening now
1: yeah I think that that time at home kind of started really two changes in me. One was kind of more in a, like just a growing up as like becoming somewhat of a young adult. Um, And I worked at Walmart um, when I moved back in the back, like unloading trucks and quickly realized that is not what I wanted to do um, for the rest of my life. Just wasn't great. You know, just nothing against Walmart. It just wasn't what I wanted to do long term. Yeah. And um, quickly got a chance to kind of realize that and was like, man, if I if I don't take this football thing seriously, like this is what I'm going to end up doing. So I think that I had a light bulb moment there of like, OK, I really need to learn to like not just be good at my sport, but actually apply myself. Um, and then when I got back to when I got back to mobile, I was, I was wild in high school. Like I said, was not a believer yet. was not a believer when I got there, truly became a follower of Christ in 2012. And so that, that 2011 year was really my like, Hey, I'm in college. I'm free. I can do what I want. And definitely took too much advantage of that. So much so that I, um, I came home, like I said, and then while I was home, I started dating this girl from back from my hometown and we started dating in like january and a little later in the year long story short she basically tells me that she's pregnant and i'm like okay well what does everybody do in the south when they've got to get their life together right they've got to go to church like that's that's where you get your life put back together as church so my, my roommate at the time was like hey man you should come to fca with me so i go to fca and i'm like okay yeah i know about this i understand who jesus is so on and so forth long story short with that the and I basically find out that the kid's not mine, that, that um, we go through kind of the whole pregnancy, get to the end. It's like, oh, that's not my child. So sends me back into this kind of crazy, like, all right, well, I have no more responsibilities. I'm going to go back to living my life the way that I was. And I think that during that time, like, that's when the Holy Spirit really started working in my heart. And then uh, that's all of, you know, spring of 2011. Fall of 2011, and then spring of 2012 um, is when I really started kind of questioning things of like, all right, man, like, what's my purpose here? Like, this is kind of the second piece that I was saying that I feel like caused me to grow up with having that experience of going back home. Um, So I started kind of questioning this stuff. Go through all the summer, working my tail off, I'm trying to earn some playing time this year because I I redshirted in 2011, so 2012 is my redshirt freshman year, my first opportunity to play, and like the probably the the second or third day of camp I, I started as the backup at left tackle and I took the starting job at left tackle like third day of camp so I'm on my high horse man I'm like you know I'm a redshirt freshman I'm starting left tackle at the division one level like this is awesome that's exactly what I dreamed of A guy that was third string on the depth chart at the time came up and took my job so he he ended up having a phenomenal career was you know just a stud and he was way better than I was at that point but I was still ticked off because somebody had taken my playing time from me. So around that same time, I, I ended up meeting the guy that led me to Christ and started going to some Bible studies and just hearing him like share the truth of the gospel, share the truth of like what Ephesians two says, right? Not just, not just these watered down, you know, Southern Baptist cliches, nothing, no offense to Southern Baptists, Um, but you, you get what I'm saying of like, the uh, like, Oh, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Yes. God loves you. But, you're also a sinner. So like this understanding of like who Jesus is, I never really had. And, um, through that guy, just meeting with me on a a weekly basis and just grabbing lunch and kind of hanging out and doing life together. Um, I started really kind of questioning like, man, like what is my identity? Like who am I as a person, man? I love this football thing. God, I I decided I was going to transfer and go to a junior college. Uh, And then leave and, you know, try and go play somewhere else. And I just remember laying in bed, man. We were playing Arkansas State in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And I remember laying in that hotel bed, just like tears rolling down my face, man. And I just remember like praying and asking, Lord, like, God, are you real? Is this whole relationship with this real? Like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do here. Do I stay in Mobile? Do I transfer? What do I do? And wake up the next morning, was just like, you know what, man, I'm going to enjoy this experience. Not many people get to play football at the Division One level. I'm just going to enjoy it. So patting my teammates on the back in warm-ups and really engaged, which I hadn't been since I had gotten my job taken because I'm ticked off. Um, but that kind of changed. And ironically, the third play of the game, of that specific game, there's kickoff one play and then the next play, the guy that's starting in front of me tears his ACL. So I'm thrown back in the fire immediately. And I'm like, okay, you know, This is obviously where I'm supposed to be. And not saying that God like heard my prayer, was like, oh, I'm gonna go tear this guy's ACL because you prayed that prayer. Like, you know, obviously God's sovereignty was at work in that. But anyways, so I'm I'm thrown back in, man. And um then from there, just kind of had this realization of like God's in control. Like this is, you know, through through that sharing of the gospel with the guy that led me to Christ and just through that like weekly discipleship with him over really probably the next year. the the Lord just really started changing my heart and just, you know, complete 180 degree turn. And it wasn't anything that I did. It was all him working within me, but like my desires changed my, you know, just the way that I approached football changed the way that I approached, like trying to beat an opponent changed because, you know, like obviously I I want to excel and, and dominate and, and do the best that I can in 2013 was the best season that I had there. But I just had this like switch in my head that that flipped of just kind of an understanding of like what you were saying earlier, man, like football is what I play. It's not who I am. It, It doesn't like that. My identity is much deeper than how good I am at football, how good I am at business, how good I am at whatever that may be. Right. Like my identity is rooted in who Jesus is and what he says about me, not what the world does or not what my accolades may be. Um, or not how good I am at something. And I think that that, that period of 2012 to 2013 is really what shifted that. And, you know, I, I used to always tell my, my teammates that, you know, they talk about playing in NFL and talking about doing all this. It's like, dude, like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're Tom Brady or if you're the third string long snapper at, I don't, wherever university football is going to end. Like your sport is going to end. It does not matter how good you are. Like this cannot be your identity because one it's it's ending but two your sport will chew you up and spit you out in a heartbeat your sport does not care about you you may have coaches that care about you You may have players and teammates that care about you but there's gonna be another chris may there's another starting right tackle at south today that will start in a game saturday right there's another number 55 that's there right now same thing with you know Tom Brady may be a bad example because I'll probably retire his jersey. But <laughs> you get the point of, like, it doesn't yeah. matter how good you are. Like, football is going to end, man. Like, you can't bank everything you are as a person on this thing that's fleeting.
0: Yeah. So let's let's break that down. You've, you've talked a lot. I love the passion behind your story and just how you've been able to, to transform. One of the biggest things, discipleship, the one-on-one, man, that's huge. I love that. Uh, there was a guy that poured into you, but talking about that, whenever you said 2012, 2013, that was the game-changing year for you, just in the sense of your faith. Let's talk. Let's take a backseat into the teammates of Chris May and just walk through how did that dynamic change on and off the field in the locker room. You're also not only connected with this one guy, but you're also connected to FCA. So I'd love to just hear a little bit more behind the scenes as to as you're changing your faith as it's getting stronger what does the team dynamic look like from there?
1: That's a great question, man. I think, you know, one of the biggest shifts was definitely just the people that I was spending time with or more so the the things that I was spending time doing was not not things that I needed to be doing, so I had to make some changes there. You know, looking back now, after having some more conversations with teammates in 2014, 2015, my last couple of years there, I mean, they, they definitely noticed the difference in that, and it opened the door for a lot more conversations just around like, hey, man, why are these changes happening? Why are you? why are you talking different? Why are you thinking about different things? Um, which opened up some really, really good conversations for that. I think that 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 really didn't happen until probably midway through 2013 or so. Yeah. so uh, Cause 2012 was still like, even though I had become a Christian and, and had that experience with the Lord, like I was still really wrestling with like, what does this actually mean for my life? So I think that 13, that, that shift more happened. And then really more so in 14, I had, you know, stepped into a, a, a leadership role um, within the team and, you know, was taking that on. So was trying to be intentional with having conversations with people like that, that I would sit in locker rooms with. And, you know, we would talk about like, Hey man, like what, you know, like what are you living for? Like what's, what happens after football? You know, I remember sitting right next to a guy that played running back and I was like, man, what are you going to do after, after South? And I remember it like it was yesterday. He goes, man, I'm going to the league. I was like, okay, that's great. What are you going to do after the NFL? And he's like, Dude, I've never thought of that. It's like, that's never crossed my mind of like what I'm going to do after the NFL. And I was like, man, you know, the NFL stands for not for long. Like the average career is like three and a half years, you know, like, so if you do a math equation here and let's say, even if you're on a 53 man roster, the average, what do they say? The minimum is like four, 450 grand. So let's just, you know, round that down. Let's say you make $1.2 million over three years. That's great the $1.2 million is not going to last you for the next 45 years of your life and provide for your family. Like that's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but you can't bank everything on this potential three to six year period. You can take advantage of it. And if you're, you know, a guy that's incredibly talented, like, yeah, man, go get paid and and do that and use that money to glorify the Lord. And there's plenty of guys that are in the NFL that are solid believers in in pursuing Christ in that. But that idea of just, like dude like first off we're a a Sunbelt Conference school we've had at this point we've had like three guys get drafted so the numbers are not in your favor here right they said what is it like three and a half percent of high school athletes play at the collegiate level and then like one percent of those athletes make it to the NFL so you don't start here yet but you're going to be one you're going to be part of that one percent that makes it to the next level it's like let's worry about like starting where we're at first and like getting some playing time before we start focusing on, you know, trying to go make these huge contracts, but sorry to get off on a tangent there. But I think it definitely like changed my, my conversations around like trying to be intentional with my teammates of knowing where they were at and like knowing, just wanting to have those conversations, man. Like just wanting to share like, man, this is what the Lord did in my life. Like this is how this was changed in my life. I see that you're pursuing the same things that I pursued. I'd love to share my experience with you. I I think that that was something that really in 2014 and 2015 that I tried to make it a point to do based off those those first couple of years.
0: That's awesome. One of the things that you had said offline is uh, use your sport. Do not let it use you. And it's interesting to hear your story, Chris, about how you didn't really think about playing collegiately until you know your sophomore junior senior year of high school and then you get recruited to a full ride and then you're ultimately midway kind of midway through your collegiate experience and then it's like man jesus changed my life so like off the field i mean that that phrase that you've used is so empowering because not only are you playing the sport uh you're thrown into the fire there but as soon as like you said, the, the switch is flipped. You're like, man, I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus, which is really cool. So, unpack for the athlete that's listening now, maybe they're in the same boat, or maybe they're even in questioning what is faith even really? I mean, how did you unpack it in your own quiet time? Because you and I both know, even though we're on a team, there are still days where we're alone. We're we're drugged through the mud. So what do you what do you say to that athlete that's just banging their head against the wall, just saying, Man, where do I even start?
1: I think that you've like the the place that I started and the way that I grew in that personally was finding someone to disciple me, finding somebody that was older than me, that had more life experience that could tell me, Hey man, you're you're thinking selfishly in this situation. Like, why don't you think more about it this way? Like having conversations about wanting to transfer of him saying, Hey man, maybe now's not the time to do that. Let's not just jump straight to that conclusion. So that was the, one of the things that had the most impact for me was having somebody to like, teach me those things to teach me how to read scripture, to teach me how to, you know, to have, to have a Paul and Timothy type relationship. I think that that's so important, man. Like, uh, you know, there's some some great books that I read during that time. Counterfeit Gods by Timothy Keller is one. This was another really good one that I'm about to reread. It's The Meaning of Bridge by Timothy Keller. I'm a big Timothy Keller fan. But I, I think that like having having someone that was older than me, more life experience that I could ask questions to, that I could be open with, that was willing to share with me and willing to bring me into their home and like show me how they were a husband, show me how they were a dad, you know, unintentionally. It's not like they were like, hey, come watch me be a dad. It was more just being around them and seeing how they interacted with people, seeing how they interacted in a professional setting, you know, even just like little stuff of like learning, like every interview that I went to, I was like, you know, I'm wearing a suit and a tie. I don't care what I'm interviewing for, like I'm wearing that because I want to go above expectations. Well I learned that from people and learn that from just asking questions. So I think not being afraid to ask questions is a big thing too, but really finding somebody to disciple you and finding like good content around that stuff. Good, good ways to learn like how to read scripture man, like how to understand the context of it. Cause if you read, you know, you read a passage or a verse like Philippians four thirteen, that's a great verse, but if it's taken out of context, it's, you know, not great. Right. But if you learn that Paul's like, Hey, I've learned the secret to life. I've learned how to be rich and how to be poor. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me that means something a little different than, well, I can go be, you know, a first round draft pick because of Philippians 4.13. It's like, that's not exactly what that scripture means, you know? So I think that having somebody older is huge.
0: That's great. So in the, in the middle of where you are in your collegiate career right now, you're being discipled by this guy Out of your junior and senior year, I'd love to just capture what happened there leading you into where you are today, which right now you're leading your own insurance agency. I'd love to just see how how you and God just worked in that relationship throughout your junior and senior year into your even entrepreneurial journey. Can you speak into that a little bit?
1: Yeah, for sure. 14 and 15 were tough for me, man. 13 was a great year. Like I said, it was the best year that I had, you know, performance-wise, accolades-wise, all that fun stuff. 13 was great. But coming into 14, I think I got a little overly confident in that, came into camp a little out of shape and didn't have a great camp. And then first game of the year, I, I got a concussion, like, midway through, I don't know, maybe the third quarter. Um, I went to like block a guy and his knee hit me like in the back of the head and I was fine. It wasn't anything serious, but that that situation gave me so much anxiety, man. All that information about CTE and the Will Smith concussion movie and all that stuff had like just came out at the same time. So it scared me to death, man. So 14 and 15, I really, really wrestled with anxiety and just like, man, is is something gonna happen to me? What happens if, you know, what happens if I get injured again? What happens if I get another concussion? And I'm being honest, I probably had some some OCD tendencies um, during that time period. But a big, a big piece of that, honestly, is I had another guy that was a, a mentor in my life, man. And he he shared with me 2nd Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. I think that, that I heard you reference that earlier when we were uh, we were talking offline of like, man, his grace is sufficient for me. His power is made perfect in weakness. Um and like learning that and learning aspect of like, man, I can't own my own strength for everything. I can't, I can't rely on my own ability for everything. Like God has to be the one that brings me through this. So 14 and 15 were rough for me. And that really changed my, like I fell out of love with football for sure. in 14 and 15 and just lost passion for it. Almost quit a senior year um, just because I was so frustrated and just kind of ready to be done. And the, that just kind of led me to like, man, I really don't want to pursue this NFL thing like at all. So I, didn't look into it, didn't do a pro day, didn't do any of that stuff. I just hung up the cleats immediately afterwards um, to just kind of move on and and get out of it. Um, Still, you know, still had some successful seasons playing wise. I just, I was out, man. Mentally, I was, I was out of it. So that started kind of changing my passions and desires and like looking into like, okay, where, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? Well, Initially, all I wanted to do was teach and coach. um I want to be a head high school football coach and athletic director, and I got into teaching and coaching and quickly realized that wasn't for me long term. um I just it's probably because I'm soft, but i want I didn't want to work seventy hours a week. <laughs> so I was like, dude, I'm not this ain't for me like you know th- there's really two ways to make it in the coaching world. It's like you can you can bet on yourself and go take take a job and try and work your way up or you can find a really good coach that you can kind of hang around and You can, you know, you can like all like Kirby Smart, all these other coaches that have done coached under Nick Saban and then get a head coaching job. You can do it that way or you can bet on yourself and kind of climb up the ranks. And I kind of started looking at it and it's just like, man, like this just isn't what I want to do long term. So um, I got out of that, got into some outside sales. And um, during that same time, I, I read, sorry for all the book references, but uh, I, I read Shoe, uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. It's his, like, memoir of how he started Nike. Um, and I've always been a huge Nike fan. Nike was actually a piece of why I chose South, because at the time we had Nike, to show you how childish I was at 18 years old. But hey, brand um, brand that brand was big brand to brand me. Like, I, I loved that swoosh man. They're very important. They're very, we almost switched to Adidas when I was there and I was ticked. I was very upset. we got Adidas now and Adidas is, I've grown. Um, I, I like Adidas a lot more now than I did, but yeah, it was like, dude, Nike or bust. Like, I don't want, I'm not wearing Adidas. I'm not wearing Russell. Like, no, if it didn't have that swoosh, I don't want it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but anyways, I read that book and it gave me the itch to start a business, man. Like hearing how Phil Knight, went from like selling encyclopedias door to door in Hawaii to like what this, you know, Nike emblem is today and how big of a brand it is. I was just hooked. I was like, dude, that sounds like so much fun. Like, man, the risk of that, like, I'm in, I want to do it. So when I was in that advertising role, I kind of looked at, I was like, I either want to get into real estate, start my own real estate brokerage eventually, or I want to go to barber school and start a barber shop, which I know is too (laughs) <laughs> polar opposite things. But that's kind of the, the two things that I was thinking through. And both of them just weren't going to work out. We had, um, I, I got married right after I graduated in 2015. So finished in December of 15, got married in January of, of 16. My my wife, my wife was pregnant at the time when I left coaching to get into advertising. And, I, you know, just out of college, it's like, man, we don't have any, there's no nest egg that, and protect us for if real estate doesn't work great for the first six months, or if this barbershop idea doesn't work great for the first year, like, I've got nothing that I can do to protect me here. So ironically, the guy that led me to Christ called me one day, and was like, Hey, man, are you happy where you're working? I was like, No, I'm actually looking for a job. And he said, Man, well, he's like, I know a guy that owns an insurance agency, do you have any interests? And I was like, No, I don't want anything to do with insurance. That sounds awful. But I was like, you know, like out of respect for the guy that's telling me about this job. I'm going to at least go interview. And I went and interviewed for the role and met the guy that I worked for for two years and was like, I don't care what I'm doing. I want to work for him. Solid guy, man. Believer does business the right way. Um, still to this day, I could call, I could call him right now and have a conversation with him. But, um, I was there for probably, I don't know, nine, nine 10 months. And that itch to start my own business came back. And, I I tried to scratch it with some other avenues, did a little bit of podcasting, Um, I do a little bit of like radio broadcasting with the, the school that I played for now. So I was trying to scratch that itch with some other like kind of side gigs and it just wouldn't go away, man. And eventually I was like, why don't I look into starting my own business? So I looked at some, some other avenues to potentially get out of insurance and then kind of sat down and thought about it. It was like, man, insurance is actually a really, really good gig. You can serve people. Well, you can make sure that they're taken care of. You're helping people. You're solving problems. That's, all the things that I like doing. I don't necessarily like insurance. Like I don't want to sit here and talk about deductibles for an hour. Like (laughs) nobody wants to do that. So, um, I was like, all right, why don't I start an insurance agency? So ended up meeting two guys that eventually became my business partners and, and helped, you know, back me to get the business up and running. And that was almost three years ago. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, through all of that though, honestly, like, Proverbs 16, 9 is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. It says the heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes the steps 100% my life, like all the way through. I had plans of this, you know, my heart had planned for this, but the Lord was like, no, we're going to do this. We're going to, you're going to do this instead. I think you should take this step. Um, There's definitely been some frustrations in there and that of like, I don't really want to take that step. I want to do this, but you know, through, through the Lord sanctifying me, through my wife, like, and my wife's been so helpful and all that, uh, of having somebody to have conversations with, because she's polar opposite of me. I'm like new ideas. Hey, I want to go pursue this. I want to think about this, so on and so forth. She's complete opposite. She's like, why? Like, why? I remember us having a conversation when I was branching out to, to start LTN. And she's like, why do you want to do that? She's like, I want a nine to five. I want to come in, clock in at nine. And I want to leave at five. And I don't want to think anything about work. And I was like, that's great. I would love to hire you. However, <laughs> that is not me. <laughs> I, I like thinking about new stuff and, you know, getting on a whiteboard and thinking about like, all right, how can we do this? How does this process work? Like, that's just kind of how my mind works. And um, yeah, it just, it, it's it's funny how the Lord, like scripture tells us we compliment each other. Um, that we're made to compliment each other. My wife and I 100% do that because we're polar opposites when it comes to 95% of things.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for unpacking that, Chris. There's so many good nuggets in that. The scriptural references, 2 Corinthians 9 and 10, and uh, also Proverbs 16, 9. Uh, those, are, those are epic. The one thing that I would say to kind of wrap up what where you are now, of course, you had this idea of community and discipleship in college. How now do you Continue to stay connected to God now. You're running your business. You've been in it for three years. Obviously, you're being successful. You've had success. You continue to have success. How do you stay grounded in your faith now, day to day? For that for that person that has transitioned out of college, what are you saying to that guy or girl?
1: First, the first thing that I would say is, it's way easier now as you're transitioning than it is where I'm at just from my standpoint of like man life just takes over so quickly like if I could just wait if I could just go back and all I had to do in a day was wake up go to practice go to class and eat and then do whatever the heck I wanted to at night holy cow like there's so much time to to enjoy stuff now you've got you know kids waking up at six in the morning and all that fun stuff but i I will say man that like that's that's a struggle right now. Like it's so it's to me, it's harder now than it was three years ago. It's harder now than it was five years ago, just because life just adds so much more to you that you can get distracted by. Like two beautiful daughters, man, but they take up a lot of your time as a got a five-year-old and a five month old. So somebody needs something from seven a.m. to seven AM. So it's it's much more difficult to find time to be alone. But I think that the biggest thing is is that you have to to be intentional with it. because man that that slope of going from spending time in the word and spending time with community you know on a weekly daily basis you miss four or five days and you don't even realize it and then that four or five days turns into two years and it's like holy cow man like i don't i don't have anybody in my life that i'm sharing you know my life with right now um, i think that one of the things that i've joined now that's been really beneficial in, in that area c12 which is a, a Christian business owners group, basically that we meet. Tomorrow's the day that we actually meet. We meet uh, on a Thursday each month for an entire day, go through curriculum, and share life with each other, and have lunch together. And um, one of the couples in that that group's actually coming over to our house tomorrow night for a game night after our meeting. So I think that you have to be really, really intentional with it because if not, like, man, the world's screaming at you every single day. Spend your time doing this. Spend your time doing that. Whereas those things are fleeting. They're, you know, same thing as like insurance is what I do now. It's not who I am. And I think that that's a constant, honestly, daily battle of like reminding myself of that. And, um, I've been thinking through a lot over the last couple of weeks of like, how do, how do we implement that more within the business? Right. How do we do that? How do we have some sort of discipleship model within insurance? Right. Because, at the end of the day, like insurance, the LTN, the the name of the business, it stands for love that neighbor. We exist to love and serve others through insurance. So how are we doing that? How are we loving and serving not just our clients, but people within these walls through insurance? So we're trying to take some steps in that. Sorry to throw another book reference at you, but I think we may walk through every good endeavor. Timothy Keller, I feel like he should start paying me um, for how much I mentioned his name, but I need an affiliate link or something. But hit me up, Tim. Amazon <laughs> um,
0: affiliate.
1: There we go. There we go. But I think we may, we may try and walk through that as a, as a business. It's it's just like, man, you have to be intentional with it. Like you have to, and you have to make your faith your own. Like you can't rely on, I can't rely on the guy that discipled me for all of those years to disciple me through every single phase of life. I just can't because he's going to get busy. I'm going to get busy. Life happens. And you know, there's seasons of, I've got guys that I was like, man, spent every day with in college that I haven't seen in years. One of my closest friends like had his bachelor party three months ago, but like, dude, that's the first time I've seen him in like two years because he lives in North Carolina now and is coaching. So it's, it's hard to find time to be together. So I think you have to be intentional with it. You have to find like-minded people that like want to pursue the same things as you. Um, when they say you are, you're the result of the five people you spend the most time with. That's definitely true as an adult.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Chris, you've you've said so many good thoughts and so many good ways that you've been able to interject your story into just your journey in and through Christ. I mean, that's that's ultimately the goal of the podcast—just empowering the younger generation and and sharing real life testimonies of people that have been there, done that. Uh, just as a close, you've said so many good things. We've talked about. You know your sport is what you do. It's not who you are. No matter how good you are, your playing days will end. We compared that to Tim Tebow and the third-string long snapper, I think is what you had said in uh, anywhere university. Uh, but then also the last thing you said was use your sport. Do not let it use you. So as we as we close out your story, Chris, I'd love to just leave it open for just a moment. If you have anything else that's on your heart that you'd want to share with others, uh, I'd love to leave the floor to you.
1: Yeah, I, I think along the same lines of that, what you were just saying, man, of like, you have to use your sport. You can't let it use you in a sense of like, I've always been big on before I say this, grades are super important. You need to make good grades. But it ain't about the grades you make, it's about the hands you shake. It's about the people that you meet. It's about the relationships that you make with people. Don't get me wrong, I wish that I would have done better in college. I did I did not do great in college, um, GPA-wise. But that at the end of the day, your sport's a tool. Money's a tool, a job's a tool. Like use that tool. Don't don't let that tool become your idol. Because, you know, Tim Keller says our hearts are ever creating. I know facts, right there there's always going to be something trying to pursue that, that you're trying to replace God with. And I, I, I think that you have to start that with a foundation of like who you are in the gospel, like who, who Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 says that you are, not what that billboard on the interstate says you are, because that stuff's going to change every two months. What's in scripture is not changing. And I think that if you're in athletics right now, if you're in a college atmosphere, like, man, first off, treat the athletic trainer that gives you ice every day with the same exact respect that you treat your head coach. One, because you should do that. But two, like, those relationships are important, man. Like that's, I go back to South now. And the reason that I, you know, ha- have the ability to like have some relationships with people is because I loved being around people when I was there, it didn't matter what position they were in. It didn't matter what title they were. It's like, we're both people. We're both made in the image of God. And like, I'm going to treat you with respect and I'm going to treat you the same way that I would treat whoever, because like, that's what I should do. So shaking hands, man, meeting the right people, like w- learning from people that are around you, I-, I think super important, especially as a college athlete, because that, that time goes by like that, man. like it, it ends really, really quick. And you'll look up and you won't have used any of the tools that that university that you're at gives, you you know, like of the alumni that are around there, man. Like now I'm like, dude, I want to, I want to meet as many of the guys on the team as possible because dude, if they need an internship in the summer, because they've got a business degree and they've got to get an internship. I'm like, dude, come intern with me. Like, let me help you. I know what your schedule looks like. There's plenty of other people that are like that at at other universities. You just got to ask questions and find them.
0: Yeah. That's so good Chris and the fact that you're willing to pour back into uh, even the younger generation where you are that's so cool. One thing that I would like to reiterate, you mentioned a Tim Keller quote and for some reason the audio spaced out. I'd love to make sure that the audience captures that. Could you paraphrase that quote again?
1: Yep. So it's in his book Counterfeit Gods. The the subtitle of the book is like The Empty Promises of Money, sex, and power I think is the the' it was the first book I read when I became a Christian, and he says in there that our hearts are they're ever creating idle factories that you're always going to be trying to find something to replace the the rightful place that Christ should be at in your heart, whether that's your sport, whether that's your kids, whether that's your spouse, whether that's I love playing pickup basketball, whether that's pickup basketball, you know whatever it may be your, your heart's going to find a way to replace christ in some capacity, unless you're constantly paying attention to it, not in a legalistic way, but like reminding yourself of the gospel. If if you're not doing that on a consistent basis, it man, like I'm a testament myself of like missing the mark of that, you know? of like, dude, it's so easy to get sidetracked in pursuing whatever it may be if you're not grounded in something.
0: Which the moral of Chris's story, be grounded in Christ, And all things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Chris, you've had a beautiful testimony and experience, and I certainly appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Uh, I know that I've gained a lot of value from it, and I'm sure that our audience will as well. Uh, So, Chris, thank you so much for being on. I wish you the best uh, as you continue to thrive with LTN insurance. And uh, for those listening today, uh, thank you for listening. And if this resonated with you, I'm sure that Chris would love to hear from you. Uh, his contact information, his insurance agency, is going to be below in the show notes. Uh, so give him a thank you, or better yet, ask him for advice. Because I guarantee, uh, just in the nature of of who he is, and in the short time that I've known him, he loves to give back. So Chris, thanks so much for being on today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And seriously, if somebody's listening to this and just need somebody to talk to in that same phase of life, reach out to me. I would love to connect with you. I can definitely tell you where I've done things wrong <laughs> and how <laughs> not to do those things. So thanks so much for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Love the love the platform that you're building.
0: Thanks, Chris.